Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Happy Thursday. Yeah, happy Thursday to you. I did yoga in person for the first time uh, in a long time uh, yesterday. All right. Yeah. One more step towards normalcy. Yeah, it was great. I, I don't really like doing yoga by myself. And I did a little bit of Zoom yoga in my apartment and I was like, meh, not, not what I'm into. And actually, interestingly, the class I was in live was being broadcast on Zoom. There were like four people also there. They had like a model, like someone from the class volunteered to like be the model that was on camera. And then like <laughs> there's a, a TV in the corner of the room showing the Zoom people participating. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Were you the model? No, no. No. This okay. is, I, I'm, I'm vain, but this is my first time back in a long time. And I was like, gonna, also, my part of my yoga philosophy is like, sometimes I'm just not going to do what they tell me. Yeah. There's this thing in, in yoga where like they're really obsessed with vinyasas doing these over this, like the same set of movements over and over in between things. And I, I really hate that. A friend of mine basically just demonstrated to me one class where it's like, you can just ignore what they say and do what you want at any point And it's fine. And I was like, oh, that's great. So I do that sometimes now. Yeah, I, I did it for a period of time. I always liked the, our particular instructor. He was like, it was like a small studio and he owned, he owned the place and he like ran all the classes for a while and then slowly like grew his business and had more instructors and stuff. But I felt like he was very good at like reassuring people that like, if you forgot the sequence, that's not a big deal. You can kind of fill in the gaps on your own. And then you can also like take those like little rest breaks in between, which do you do like normal temperature or do you like it hot? I do actually enjoy hot yoga. This was this was normal temperature though. I tried hot once and I like I feel like I almost passed out. Like I was seeing stars all over the place. It was it was pretty rough. But even like the non-hot version is like a little too warm for my taste. So I would often take those uh, little rest breaks. Mm-hmm. I also spend more time in certain positions because sometimes we'll like hit a pose and I'm like oh this feels amazing. I need to like stay here and like keep it going. And they tend to just keep moving. And so, yeah, it's, I've been having fun just sort of freestyling in yoga classes lately. It's, it's my biggest complaint with it was like, oh, I don't get to do the things I like enough and they do too much of the stuff I don't like. But overall, I, I think it's really great for my body. It makes me feel so much better. So I had this sort of like mixed relationship with it where I was like, oh, I want it to be better, but it's annoying. And so I just started doing my own thing. And now it's great. What would you say you're mainly getting out of it? Is it like, is it a mode of exercise for you? Or are you trying to work on like controlling your emotions like your mental state or is it kind of all of the above it is i mean it definitely helps my mental state no doubt like most exercise like i have a static sort of job where i'm mostly sitting or standing in the same position and yoga is a, a nice counterbalance to that and like i have like pretty darn tight like hamstrings and there's like down dog and, and ankles like down dog is good for that and so there's it's just like a bunch of the stuff in, in yoga is like a nice countervailing force i feel like we tall people have to be especially aware of our flexibility especially as we get older i think just everybody but especially programmers i would say anybody with like a desk job or something similar it's like your body is slowly kind of just like freezing in place so more motion is good also this week uh we hired another person did you we did this person is an engineer which is exciting so this this actually was someone who emailed me so so one of the things i put on our job page was just this like TBD job opening where it's like, pitch me on something. If if you think we should hire you and you don't see a job here that's for you, like send an email here. And he wrote me a great email. And I was like, ooh, that's exciting. 
And we interviewed him and we liked him. And so we were bringing him on. So he's an engineer, but does not have native experience right now. So he's going to kind of come in and the initial stuff is he's going to be working on is kind of like support engineering for a bit, like digging into bugs and diving into things with customers and working on basically tuple reliability and, and quality for a while with the eventual goal of leveling up and learning native development so he can be a contributing member of the actual native stuff. And also, he has some experience that will be relevant for going past three people on a call. Is he a web, like a web developer then? He knows web technologies? Yeah, yep. It's not like a junior position, but it is like a needs to be sort of trained up over time position. We would like to find senior people too, or like people that have experience already. So I've seen this work really well at ThoughtBot. Uh, where like if you take people that seem smart and have promise and fit well with you and sort of teach them what they need to know it's just like a great hiring pipeline because everyone wants the senior experience people that can come in and contribute on day one super hard to get those folks if you can build a pipeline if you're willing to invest the time and and are good at it you can grow your own awesome people Mm mm-hmm that's encouraging because that's kind of I feel like I may have to end up doing that because just the pool is smaller for Elixir developers. But there are comparatively a lot more Ruby developers, I think. And I think there are a lot of Ruby developers who are curious about Elixir and would probably pick it up fairly quickly because a lot of it kind of feels feels similar in its aesthetic, but it's functional. So it's, it's different in important ways, but um, also like appeals naturally, I think, to Rubyists. So I think even if it were pretty different, like we're a native, like a, a desktop app written mostly in C++, at least the core is, and that's pretty different than, than web development. But I, I just think, I think smart, motivated people can learn new skills, especially through pairing. Like we're going to pair with this person a bunch and uh, we've already had a couple people g- like l- go through this tricky process and battle and all that and like has, have learned a lot of lessons and we can impart those lessons to this person and get them up to speed in i think a pretty reasonable amount of time mm-hmm. that's cool yeah and we should document more of that like as uh, we started to do this like spencer has made some videos and um, like kind of like engineer onboarding pages where it's like here's the here's how things work and here's the things that we had to learn the hard way yeah yeah i want us to keep sort of fleshing that out uh, for especially on the engineering side so that like each new like we could keep doing this like we would keep finding promising smart people that don't have the the experience that we want but then like uh efficiently bring them up to speed yeah yeah that's cool taking some pages out of the stripe stripe playbook (laughs) yeah that's that's my yes absolutely this is my current uh business hack is just uh find (laughs) out what stripe's doing and then take the pieces that make sense for us and do that i think there are worse businesses to emulate you are getting to the place where you're kind of almost ready to start really going more parallel like stripe has done where you where you need to have like individual teams kind of working on initiatives as opposed to kind of just one engineering team that's working on one task at one time and that's where it feels like the writing things down piece is is pretty important like i've been thinking about this for myself how how important it is for me to be like aggressively documenting things and spending a lot of times like putting putting words down on paper and i do feel like that is it might be a little bit premature for me where I like I, I don't know all of the documentation that would be necessary for the next team member. So I don't want to spend too much time, you know, trying to like catch up on that yet. But like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of also like how much to incorporate into my habits and routines right now. You know, it'll slow me down a little bit. Is it worth taking that hit on, on this 
speed and velocity. I don't know. I think it probably is. Yeah. I'm skeptical that it'll, sh- it'll slow you down much right now. Yeah. Like, I think even just the process of writing it down helps you solidify your thinking or spot inefficiencies or things that need to be changed. Yeah. I'm pretty bad right now with um, when I file, like, tickets for work that needs to get done. I oftentimes don't write anything in the description. <laughs> so, and so it's like there would be a lot of work to, to, like, go through and, like, actually flesh out what's in my brain about things that that need to get built into the product and then yeah, documenting what's there too um, yeah the what needs to get built if you're gonna build it feels i mean that's like probably useful to save you some time from going down the wrong direction possibly i guess if you're using it as like discovery almost or like shaping for yourself i could see like skipping that maybe more useful to be like okay here is where i see the product going over the next six months or like here is why I want to hire somebody and what I think they should do and why that will be good or that sort of thing. Writing probably, it probably would help with thought process too. It is hard to hold all this stuff in your head at once and keep all the considerations together. So every time I do an exercise where I actually write, and sometimes it's just scratching in my notebook, you know, uh, not like in a formal document, there's probably some value in like getting that into more of a permanent place where I can reference it and search it and stuff. Like, I don't know, the notebook is... Probably not ideal, but also it's a good place where I do thinking. So maybe there's some, maybe I need to do some transfer at certain points. Like once I've kind of done rough stuff in a notebook, then move that over to somewhere more searchable. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I had a crazy experience the other day where I was worried about something and I was like, let me write this down. And so I wrote up a summary of what I was worried about. And as soon as I had written it all down, I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah that's actually just not a thing that i need to worry about that's this is all this doesn't make sense and so i just deleted everything and was like all right cool i feel a lot better <laughs> served its purpose in my head it was like i just like i was going in circles and i was like oh man and i was just like feeling anxiety about this thing and as soon as i was like forced like okay what are you actually worried about and i wrote these things down i was like what this that's what's that's what's bothering me this, as soon as i see it on the page it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has any salience at all yeah yeah with the sales and success person we hired before i made him an offer i wrote a pitch to spencer and joel for like why we should hire this person and what they would do and that was super useful to like clarify my thinking and like make sure i thought this was a good idea and and what the what the plan was and i'm actually interested to review this later on like six months or a year or whatever and and one thing i was thinking i was like okay let's say uh, it doesn't work out for some reason or like the, the, like we're not happy with a hire for for whatever some reason or the other if i go back and look at my thinking at the time what was wrong like what was off huh yeah what do i need to adjust for next time like what lessons should i learn it felt really useful to have a snapshot of how i think about it today um, so if if i am wrong i can be less wrong next time maybe yeah, I think that's having that artifact is valuable because I feel like we're pretty bad at remembering what was I thinking at the time. <laughs> like we brains aren't really designed to have that level of granular memory about like all of those details. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Like your your current thought process, I feel like modifies how you remember like what you were thinking at the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like you, you, I can't really get reset back to an earlier Shaw and actually have those thoughts. It's all filtered through today. Exactly. Yeah. Also, I had a thought yesterday, which was, man, I'm doing some high stakes negotiations. 
I saw you tweet about this saying, talking about in the sales context, sort of like, yeah, it was about, uh, yeah, like enterprise sales, mostly like pretty, pretty like routine follow up and like a little bit dull sometimes. And then every once in a while, like a conversation that's worth huge amounts of money over a period of years, uh, where the person on the other side is an experienced strategic sourcing person who's done hundreds <laughs> of these and yeah. I am not. Yeah. But also like salary negotiations. Like I did two, two salary negotiations with these, these people that we just hired and, I think I need to level up my uh, negotiation techniques to make sure I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Like so far, I've been pretty happy with how all these things have turned out, but they're pretty critical. Um, and so I added to my list, I need to uh, go back and read uh, Never Split the Difference, which seems to be a highly recommended book on this topic. I have a book recommendation for this, but unfortunately, I can't remember the title and I don't have it in front of me right now. All right. I'll pass that along. Sounds <laughs> good. Yeah. Have it. yeah. Let yeah. me know. It's time to, I, I got to get educated or just confirm that I'm, yeah, see what I'm doing, what I'm doing right. That's the thing I didn't really quite appreciate as like a, being a founder of a thing. It's like sometimes you're going to have to negotiate some serious stuff. So know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those skills that it really takes practice. Like it's, it's hard to, you can get, learn the theories behind it, but then like the true leveling up just comes from experience of doing it. So, which is frustrating but that's probably true of most things you know like you have to fail a bunch and do things suboptimally absolutely yeah and there have been a few where i was like oh man like i kind of screwed that up or like I, i'm not quite happy with how this one turned out or i, I would do this differently so yeah i, I want to get as much education ahead of time as i can to like hopefully avoid those things but i will definitely continue to make mistakes and we'll need to just sort of learn it the way that everyone else learns things i think but so i'm trying to be uh cool with myself about that mm-hmm yeah so what's going on with you? Um, not too much. I'm uh, still trying to continue the shipping spree as much as I can. So I'm working on <laughs> trying to get a couple of features shipped this week. One of them being um, more custom field types on the submission form. That's sort of another table stakes feature. You know, people adding like check boxes or radio buttons or something like that. It's been requested for a long time. And it's one of the ones that I've, I know I've told multiple people like it's just around the corner. And I've been saying that for months. So it's going to feel good to good to get that type of feature knocked out amongst that though I'm, I'm also been thinking a lot this week about churn it's such a hard thing to to manage as a founder when i'm like kind of checking in on metrics and looking at things and almost every day there's at least one person that cancels and every time i see that i'm desperate to know like what what went wrong was it just not a good fit do they not need a scheduling tool anymore are they switching to a different tool and right now i feel like i'm not getting i'm not getting like good data on that like i feel like i'm pretty blind in that area that's something i actually would love to bat around with you for a few minutes how to how to improve the situation so right now like kind of give you a lay of land of what i'm what i'm doing right now basically when when someone cancels the moment they go into their billing portal and you know click the cancel button it cancels at the end of the period but i go ahead and send like an email just a couple minutes after that saying like subject line you know insert first name i'd love to hear your input and then the body of the email is basically like hey i noticed you canceled your subscription hearing your experience helps us to figure out what we should focus on and it's so it's like a very positive tone email but it's like basically soliciting kind of a free form like share any any input any thoughts you have on why this didn't work out for you it's sort of the the tone of the email and virtually nobody responds to this email <laughs> So <laughs> that's one piece to fix is like the the kind of feedback loop. 
I know there are tools. There's a tool called Churnkey. Um, I think someone from our kind of bootstrapper community is building that. And basically the the idea is like it it sort of provides you can set up offers like hey do you want to pause your subscription instead of fully cancel it and then after a set duration of time it'll automatically resume or you can like offer a a discount right there i'm always a little skeptical of these types of like final final leg like trying to save a customer like by the time they go in and hit cancel they've probably already mostly made up their mind that they're like done with the tool but I think it probably couldn't hurt to add this. Like, it'd be interesting if, like, a majority of people pause their subscription. That would that would give me some kind of signal about, like, they don't they're not fully leaving. They just decided they don't need it for a while, which would be an interesting data point to have. Do you have any initial thoughts though, based on kind of this this like yeah context? Um, so one just like super tactical thing is I think sending the cancellation feedback email right away makes it feel even more automated, probably versus. I don't know if you'll fool anybody, but I almost feel like that email is going to, it feels like a cancellation confirmation email where they're just like, oh yeah, I'm done. Cool. There's the thing. Like, I know I did it or something versus if maybe you caught them the morning after and we're like, one thing that's worked for us really well is literally including a picture of our faces in emails. So we have this email that goes out after someone does their first tuple call. And it's, it's like, hey, I'm Joel. I'm one of the co-founders of Tuple. And he's like, this is what I look like. And it's just like this like nice smiling picture of Joel. And it gets a really good response rate. And people will comment positively on it. And, and like even when they're like, this is probably automated, but you just seem so friendly. That might be a thing worth trying there. Like leading into like the, the human side of your business. Yeah. It's like, yo, I'm Derek. I'm the, I'm the only person that's working on this in a way. <laughs> you know, like I am the yeah. company of one behind Savvy Cal. I'm trying to make the product better so I can pay my rent. Anything you could tell me would be super helpful. Um, so, so sprucing up the email, I, I think the photo is like kind of a nice thing in there. Maybe delay it a bit. Jason Cohen says like, okay, uh, there was this crazy funnel that someone had to go through to actually become a paying customer. And like all these steps had to happen. And then they canceled. Like they did all these like annoying things and even like paid you money or like entered a credit card. Like did all this like all this stuff that's that's not very fun because they had some dream in their head. And then something went wrong and then they canceled. And so somehow you're not giving them the the dream. Like they 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 thought they were going to get a thing and they didn't get that thing. And so like what was that thing and why aren't you getting it is like a pretty critical question. Yeah, the curiosity is just killing me. Like I every time I see churn happen, that that narrative runs through my head of like how did I fail you to the point where you're completely abandoning the tool? For the average churning user, have they not gotten any appointments? Well, that's a really good question. That's also on the list of things that I want to do is like some kind of reporting on this because now I have a sample size of like several hundred people um, who fit this category of like have paid at least a month and can then canceled. There's also the cohort of people who start their trial and don't convert. And that's a different, that's a separate type of churn to look at. But that might be the same churn. Yeah, right. Like like but, another way of thinking about churn is that it's lack of activation. Yeah. yeah. And that can happen during the trial. It can happen even after they paid. The people who trials that didn't convert and the the people who paid for like one month and then canceled, they sort of are in the same bucket as like you paid for an extended trial. The ones that really get me is when someone has paid for like six months and they have like 20 links. And then at a certain point, I look in their history and like they just stopped booking events at a certain point. Like they just made a decision like gonna not use Savvy Cal anymore. 
and then eventually they cancel. Those ones are really, I'm, I'm fascinated to know what, what happened because it seemed like a lot of activity happening in your account. You seem to be making full use of the product and then boom, stopped. Um, Definitely. I mean, that seems like that seems really worth getting into. It's tough to say prioritization wise, like if you're going to devote more time to this, you could be writing custom emails to these people and following up a couple times and DM them on Twitter or like whatever. If it feels important, like the number one thing, does it feel like the number one thing? I just feel like this is something that I'm very aware of the the plateaus that can happen in SaaS and I would love to also be investing in like changing the changing the slope of the growth curve. Like that's that's also an area that like <laughs> that's another lever that I can pull on. But this churn is it just eats away. So it's so corrosive and I hate that. It does feel like addressing doing at least a round of improvements around churn is going to both help on the growth front because if I'm understanding where we're deficient or where people are giving up on the dream that'll only help with growth. So I think that learning will be really important, even if I don't move the number, even if I just learn first and then work towards moving the number. I feel like that's a valuable exercise. Something I could be working on in, in tandem. I think I can deputize my my support guy, Reggie, to uh, to work on some of this follow-up potentially or some of this analysis. Like, go through each account and and, you know, kind of look at the activity and summarize for me what stage of activation did they get to and then we can either he or me can then do um, some manual follow-up really targeted based on kind of what we determine from their their usage patterns i like that and just another small tactical thing is like you could offer them a gift card, like an amazon gift card or something if they're willing to to talk to you it could incentivize people it could be that there's a number there that gets ever like bumps your response rate up dramatically if you're really gonna give them a $50 gift card or something like that. I mean, I like the idea of focusing on this kind of thing. Improving the efficiency of the engine is, a, is kind of awesome. I think even just doing that analysis of like, w- what kind of user is churning? Like the, the, the ones that are, are active and churning out, if there's a lot of those, that is, sounds the most scary um, versus people that like just didn't quite get over the activation hurdle where it's like, you'll, you'll always have some of those certainly be working towards that but that's that feels like less of like something is wrong that we need to fix versus like this person made it all the way through and made the links and was scheduling events then what um so like hopefully all of those users are just like oh i just now i'm a i stopped doing this you know like i don't i didn't need the product anymore and it's, it's all fine it would be good to know if like a lot of these are like well i work for a company and they we signed up for this other tool that the sales team's using and now I'm just going to use that because I can get like a, an account as part of that or something like that. I'm hoping it's more of that than like, yeah, your tool sucks and it just didn't uh, didn't meet the threshold and I canceled, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this seems to me like like good founder things to do. It's like get a, get a direct line to these customers or former customers figure out what you need to do to get them to actually give you the feedback and, and figure out what's what's going on. It seems like kind of important information. Yeah, it, it sure does. And so then this brings me back to the always the question. I think I alluded to this last week as we were talking stuff through like, I'm on this like good shipping cadence right now. And it feels good. But then the moment I start thinking about these other concerns in the business, like dedicating some mental cycles and some actual time into working on churn, because I'm single threaded right now, then that that's to the detriment of shipping. So 
so then that also makes me think, well, maybe that maybe that does seem to suggest that I'm nearing that time where it's worth paying the productivity penalty of onboarding someone new to help out on the product front. Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly could see that. That sounds very plausible to me, especially since you have cash in the bank that you've sold equity to get. It's like you you have this asset that you is is sort of not an. I mean, the cash is an asset on its, on its own, but it's not super productive in cash form. Yeah. Also, you've been shipping a lot of stuff lately. So if you took a few weeks to do some churn investigation and, and ship some fe- some things that would, I mean, if you're if you're combating churn for long term users, that's that's shipping. You know, like that's that's like valid stuff for for the user base. Uh, but even if you're focused on like, oh, it's actually more of an onboarding problem uh, or an activation problem, that's it. Seems like you could take a take a breath on the the new features and do some of that first. Yeah. Yeah, at least the first phase of it where it's like understanding what are the primary causes and if there is a if there's one that jumps out if it's an activation problem then we're either we're either like positioning's a little off or we're we're retracting in people who aren't a great fit. Like we we get a lot of people who used to use a tool called Woven and Woven had scheduling and it was a calendar client. And so I think a lot of times when when former Woven customers come in they shut the product down. So, so like these people are like just out there looking for a replacement for what they were using before. And I think a lot of them make it in and then they're like confused. Sometimes they write into support. They're like, where's the calendar client? I'm like, well, we're not a calendar client. We're just a scheduling tool right now. And so then they just kind of abandon. So like, I think that that's one area where like, we're, we're bringing in a decent number of these folks. Like I see it show up in there. Like, how'd you hear about us? And they're like looking for a woven replacement. And I'm always like, okay, this might not be, (laughs) this might not be a great fit. So if it's a problem like that, that'd be good to know. If it's a problem of like people just not understanding how to use the tool, then we we can work on our education and like nurturing people into like setting up for their different use cases, how to set up the tool. Maybe it's an education problem. There's a lot of different, you know, potential problems. It could be totally. Yeah. I think one thing I would consider is like spend a half a day writing the code to get an email whenever whenever someone cancels that just says like how old is this account how many appointments have they booked how many scheduling links do they have yeah that sort of thing when was their last appointment or something like that just a, just a little little bit i have a little um activity channel in slack that i have all notifications off so i can just dip into it um right now and it's basically a stream of like anytime someone signs up when they finish onboarding when they start their stripe that i have all those events just kind of piping into this feed so i can just kind of peruse through and see the activity so that would probably be a good place to to drop that in you know at the moment they Mm -hmm. cancel yeah i like it even just giving yourself like that stream of data kind of passively where you're just like you start to build up an intuitive sense of what canceling users look like you'll go okay i think i know where the like i at least know roughly where the problem is or like what the what the average canceling user looks like yep good stuff yeah it's funny because it's i don't think we have a crazy high churn rate right now but it's like just enough like seeing any churn is like that's a that's that's a bug that needs to be addressed (laughs) seeing our expansion revenue they're very close like churn and expansion are very close to each other that still doesn't make me feel any better like i still would rather i'd rather have the expansion without it being eaten away by churn so yeah Yeah, for sure we need to do more of a deep dive in this at some point too whenever i turn on like cancellation feedback surveys and things like that the data has not been super interesting it's been like oh like we're shutting down or like 
we're not pairing or something like that. But I do like having a stream of the feedback flow over mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been that's been pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, should we wrap it? Yeah, let's wrap it. All right. Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Goodbye.